Welcome back to Hail to the King, a podcast where we read and discuss the many works of Stephen King. I'm one of your co-hosts, Brady, a constant contributor to Epic Film Guys podcast and the Vintage Horror Podcast. Hi, I'm Kenneth, one of your other co-hosts. I have no other credentials. Uh, And I'm Paige, your favorite co-host. I also have no, no other credentials to speak of. I'm, I'm irrelevant in most of society. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, pretty much. Um, it's a good thing today we're talking about a uh, complete collapse of society. So Amen to that, sister. We will be discussing book one of Stephen King's epic book, The Stand. But first, to get things going, we're all going to talk about the worst times that we ever had the flu, seeing as... To put us in the mood. To put us in the mood, seeing as The Stand is all about a super flu that wipes out. Basically the entire world. Uh, I'll go first. Um, For, you know, I don't know, Kenneth, we've talked about it a little bit, but Paige knows. uh, I have really bad bowels. Like, I don't know (laughs) if it's genetic. I don't know if it's man-made issue. I don't know what it is. A (laughs) man-made issue. (laughs) It's like the Suez Canal, but in your butt. (laughs) Uh, It's never never blocked up like that. Um, (laughs) Yes, it was. (laughs) One time. Uh, one time in my life, I was constipated. Thank you very much. Uh, but <laughs> I bad. got the flu a lot as a kid. And everybody said it was because I'm from a big family, being one of five. But it was like it would hit one of us, and then the next day someone went down, and then the next day someone went down. And then most of the time, I would actually start a second cycle before my parents ever thought about like maybe moving kids to a different room. But there was one night where we were coming home from church, and we stopped and got at McDonald's night. at night. It was like night church. And cause here's oh, the other thing. Here's the other thing about church. me. Night church. That sounds ominous. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, band name. I call it band name. <laughs> um, I was going to use it for my first novel. It's never going to happen. Well, but already uh, copy wrote. All right. We, uh, I forgot what I was going to say about this just now, but about anyways, church. no <laughs> driving yeah, home. Church. Oh, um, no, no, there it goes again. But we were coming home. You were picking up McDonald's or something? Yeah, we stopped and got McDonald's. And I mean, at, at that point, I wasn't really like too focused on what I was eating. So I had like a bunch of chicken nuggets, a cheeseburger, and then I think I stole like some fries from my sister. Anyways, it was it was a bunch of stuff in like 10 minutes. And then we got home and... I don't know what happened. I went to bed and I woke up with a really bad sweat at like one in the morning and I just like couldn't even make it to the bathroom. I like ran to the door and just like puke came out my nose. It was horrible. Next day, my mom brings me like a Gatorade and some like saltine crackers. It was like, hey, like, I know you're probably really thirsty. Please, like, drink this. You need to stay hydrated. Well, she didn't tell me not to drink the entire bottle all at once. So me being super thirsty, just drank the entire bottle and then proceeded to puke melon-flavored Gatorade out of my nose. I didn't know Gatorade made a melon flavor. Yeah, it's not great. Well, we don't know any of their flavors. They're just the red one and the blue one. (laughs) Yeah, Brady, are you a cop? You have Uh, to tell us legally. (laughs) (laughs) well this meeting is being recorded so um (laughs) but yeah i mean that was probably the worst of it i felt like i was gonna die 
And then glad you didn't. just read all over the floor. Yeah, anyways, that's my story. And you thought that that was worse than pages? It's not going to be. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, yeah. <laughs> for me, um, I I don't know if I have like a serious like flu experience because there's so many times I think that I just was like, I had a cold, but Jay might have been the flu. I don't know. I only recently as an adult started getting the flu vaccine on a regular basis, which I know is bad. Mm. I know um, that I got a stomach flu, I think once that um, I was fine. I was going through our household. So it was like, it was a big household at the moment at the point. Cause like my, bro- both me and my brother and our families were living. Well, I don't really have a family, but we were living together. Oh, <laughs> RIP. Oh my God. <laughs> I don't have an individual <laughs> family, you know? Right, right, right. So we were like, like my sorry, Ben. You know, not he wasn't there, <laughs> but because he's not family. No, I hadn't <laughs> met him yet. Um, but it was like uh, I think uh, like my brother got it, and like my niece got it, and then like you know my sister in law got it, and I was like I'm not gonna get it, ha ha ha. And I went out to breakfast with my mom, and right as we're leaving, that's when my sister in law got it, and I could hear her in the bathroom like vomiting, and I could hear her vomiting, and I was like. Ew, that's gross. And it made me nauseous. And then when I got back from breakfast, I spent the whole day vomiting. I literally sat on like the bathroom floor for 24 hours, just vomiting. You puke right into mm-hmm. the toilet? Yeah. Oh. I don't, well, I don't have a vomit bowl anymore. We used to have a, mm. the, the puke bowl when I was yeah. a kid. but now Was it now also the popcorn bowl? Because ours the was. The popcorn bowl? Yeah, of yep. course it was. It was also the popcorn bowl. <laughs> it has to be. Yeah, it's the only large bowl in the house. I don't, it's also what you like, you know, fill with water and <laughs> I don't know, wash something with. We, uh, I don't think I've ever like stuck my head in the toilet to puke. Have I? Well, you I don't usually, stick your head in the toilet. Well, I mean, like, just I've never lean over. <laughs> I usually sit on the toilet and puke into like a trash can. That is correct. That is yeah. what he does. Oh. Inter- what if it comes out the other side? He's always then, afraid when he's throwing up. He's also going to have wait, the so diarrhea. You, <laughs> <laughs> so wait, when you vomit, mm-hmm. yeah. you, you pull down your got pants right. and you sit on the toilet? got this right. That is <laughs> yeah. correct. Look, Kenneth, up until I was like 13, I pooped naked wherever I was. <laughs> would take so all of his clothes off. I could be at a Walmart. I could be at a Target. I could be at church. <laughs> he said the only reason he stopped is because a little boy crawled under the stall one day and saw him. <laughs> Probably the single most embarrassing moment of my life. Oh my god! I, and then he stopped getting naked in public restrooms. Yeah, <laughs> it was the Walmart in Fredericksburg, Virginia. So, so little kid, if that was you and you, <laughs> had he was a little boy. Brady, sorry, you got a bunch of for that one. Oh my god! I don't know what's I can <laughs> what's burned into someone's memory more: what he saw or what I saw. <laughs> Just this kid <laughs> sliding under there. Oh my god. People, just make sure when you take your kid into the bathroom that they don't crawl under the stalls into other people's stalls. Thank you. There could be a naked 13-year-old boy in there just trying to poop. So, (laughs) Well, if you guys want a a darker story, I also remember the moment I realized that flu is short for influenza and it's actually deadly. Mm. It is deadly. Yeah. um, In my, if you look at my eighth grade yearbook, there is a page at the very back of the book dedicated to a kid. Um, Don't laugh. Sorry. I I thought your quote was going to be about how like, like your yearbook quote quote is like the yearbook. (laughs) The flu is influenza. (laughs) 
Look, Brady didn't go to public school. He doesn't know how you're. We got a quote in every fucking year. <laughs> no, a kid in a different you had five class. Five students. Oh my god, this kid in a different class from me. I didn't know him had died, and it was from the flu. And I remember being like, "How do you die from the flu?" And that's when my mom was like, "It's influenza." And yeah, I was like, going around like, "What a weak ass." <laughs> <laughs> no, I just didn't know you could die from it until then, and then I realized it was influenza and that you could. Yeah, and yeah. 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 Well, I had the flu once. (laughs) (laughs) Only once as an adult. Only once. I don't know that I really had it as a child, but I did get it once a few years ago. And it was awful. Absolutely terrible. I've also had the Rona. That was slightly worse. um, But it didn't have quite the same effect on my body as the flu. Um, So, you know, it ran its course. I also took the, like, influenza. What's the, what's the, what do we just call it? Theraflu. Theraflu. There you go. That my doctor prescribed, which made it even worse. Like every side effect that you possibly could have from it, I got. So that was awful. But I had been taking that. I started to feel a little bit better. I was sitting on the couch with Brady. We've got a cute little gray sectional sofa. We're just watching TV, you know, resting, getting my liquids. All of a sudden, you know, little toot. No, no. I literally, (laughs) (laughs) it happened and I went, Oh no. Oh no. Oh God. Oh what? <laughs> I sprinted to the bathroom. It, I I was so confused how it happened because it literally was, it was not like, usually there's some effort in pooping, right? There's a little like boop. This literally fell out of my butthole, <laughs> just like spilled out <laughs> into my pants. Oh my God. Oh my God. It was I don't know what's funnier, like the story or watching Brady like freak out. It was like the I have never heard her make a noise like that in her life, just out of the blue. We're sitting there watching TV, and all of a sudden she's like, "Oh my god!" And I was like, "What? What?" And she's like, "Oh my god!" And just like gets up and runs. So I'm freaking out, like, "Oh my god!" Like, what is going on? We're in the middle of a pandemic, and you're getting up saying, "Like, who died?" I'm saying, "Oh my god!" And then she was like, "I shit myself." Oh no. It happens. It, it happens. happens to the best no. of us. No, okay, look, it has never happened to me as a grown woman. I have never pooped my pants before then, and I will let you know for days afterwards, I was terrified to fart. <laughs> I have, however, I miss those days. On two occasions <laughs> as a as an adult, peed my bed. <laughs> and it's all been like the last year. Oh my god. <laughs> the last two years. No, once I was legit. <laughs> Once was two years ago. We went on vacation with my brother and sister-in-law. Shout out to Frank and Kate. Yeah. Um, and I drank a lot. And, you know, it happened, right? The next time was literally like three weeks ago. Um, I was so tired. I had had a long week. I was keeping up on my fluids. I laid down for Betty Bye, you know? And I was like, oh, man, I have to pee. Whatever. Whatever. I'll do it in the morning. I'm not going to get up. I'm tired. There I go. That was a big one, too. Oh, no. Yeah, I felt so bad. And I didn't want to wake Brady up and be like, Mom, I peed my bed. <laughs> oh, so no. I just, like, laid a towel down and was <sighs> like, well, uh, this is what it is. And then oh. we woke up in the morning and he rolled over and I said, okay, don't be mad. I'm, like, naked from the waist down laying on a towel on the bed. But I peed. <laughs> Yeah, you oh, let me no. sleep in a pee bed all night. <laughs> well, I, I slept on top of it. You didn't touch it. Oh, no. Still. Plus, it's sterile anyway. Yeah. All right. Is it? Anyway. Yeah. I had a, actually had a on related, related. I, um, I had a 
like, you know, when you're dreaming and you like half wake up, so, you know, like you're laying in bed, you know, what position you're in, you're like, you, you know, you're in your bed sleeping, but it's still like in a dream state. Mm-hmm. I was in that, like in that. And I was like, oh, am I peeing the bed right now? I think I'm peeing the bed right now. Well, it's okay. I'll just like take care of it when I get up. I don't want to deal with it right now. I'll let myself continue to pee the bed. And Ben's next to me the whole time. So I'm like, I'm like, whatever, this is fine. But then I I wake up and I'm like, oh shit, did I actually, did I actually pee the bed? And I'm like feeling around and I didn't. But for some oh. reason, my dream was like, you, were to be I, like, you just like peed all over like the bed and no. just like let Ben lay on it. <laughs> no. I didn't actually do it, but for some reason I was like, I swear I was like, I, when I woke up, I was like, oh no, I'm going to have to take care of it. And I hadn't. So it was like a really, really well, lucky dream. you. Why don't you rub it in a little bit? <laughs> Not the pee. Don't rub the pee in. <laughs> no, no, no. That's what we have a mattress protector. That's true. That's Everything a, that's was smart. fine. The mattress really... is safe and sound guys. Don't worry. I need a mattress protector. Apparently we oh. do too. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> At least I only poop myself on the couch. Okay, that's true. And we I've have a warranty on, on that. Couch, haven't I? You Not definitely have. You didn't sit oh, where yeah. she sat. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they say don't shit where you eat, but you eat on that couch every day. Eat on the couch every day. Anyway. Yeah, that's your dining table. Have you ever eaten anything in the bathroom? We don't have a dining table. We got rid of it. Have I eaten anything in the bathroom? Yeah, you said yes, don't shit where you times. eat. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it's don't shit where you eat, not don't eat where you shit. Yeah, Bradley. No, I was just asking. <laughs> Look, I'm going to eat where I shit all day or day. The amount of times, like, have you never heard of a shower beer? Come on. Shower beer is different than, like, eating food while eating you Eating a bowl of cereal. I meant, like, are you, like, are, are, have you ever eaten anything while taking a shit? Yes. Oh. <laughs> I can't. I can't. <laughs> I can't say I have because yeah, I she don't probably think I did right attention. before this episode. I don't remember the last time I pooped. So, <gasps> oh, that's not are healthy. You okay, do you want to talk about <laughs> it? <laughs> I just I don't pay attention. Oh, I don't pay attention to my bowel movements that much. I guess interesting. interesting. Mine's like you can't not pay attention to. So, unfortunately. <laughs> anyway, all right, that's enough poop talk. That's enough poop. That's enough. Thank you. Everyone poops. Um, they wrote a book so- about it. So the stand, they the wrote stand. A, a book. Stand is just yeah. about pooping. It's it about people out. just shitting themselves on the couch. <laughs> there the is pandemic. look. There's a lot of talk of feces in there. There really is. Lots there of people is. poop there, themselves in this it? book. Oh no. I mean, you know, when you kick the bucket, you just. Oh yeah, it just yeah. your organs just go. <laughs> lots of yeah. poop. Yeah. That's gross. Uh, but yeah, so we're going over uh, Stephen King's The Stand, and we got a quick synopsis over here. Right, that is me. Now, um, I am trash, so I completely forgot to write a synopsis. Mm-hmm. So this is just going to be, uh, I'm going to kind of, I don't like the noises coming from Bradley. As I didn't H-Sin. do anything. Look, oh, I, he, just, he was born judgmental. It's I wasn't even right. judging. I was thinking the okay, same thing okay. earlier. I was like, maybe we should just do like a Wikipedia one. <laughs> yeah, I so I'm winging it a little bit. But, but um, reminder that this is, it's not comprehensive. Even It's even less comprehensive than any previous ones you've heard. Oh. And, um, and we're yes. only going over par- book one tonight. Yeah. Yes, and it's only book one. So the stand is separated into three parts. This is the first part. So basically the stand <clears throat> follows... The, the happenings around a, a massive like flu-like virus outbreak in the world. It kills the majority of the population. 
And um, the only people left are people who are, for some reason, unknowingly immune to it, mysteriously immune to it. And uh, the the story, especially book one, it follows a few main characters that we'll talk about in the episode. And they're a little bit of their life beforehand, their encounter with the virus, it killing their family, their friends, the, um, the virus, as um, the book says, is, is potentially created by the military, I believe, or the US government, and subsequently released by them on accident. So of course, they're trying to cover their tracks. So they their experience with that, and their experience um, with these really terrible dreams that everyone seems to be having. They're having these really bad dreams about this dark man who is faceless. And I think certain people, it's like chasing them or like just on, it's just a scary dream. It's very many different forms. And some other ones are having dreams about this woman sitting on a porch playing a guitar um, in, I think, Nebraska in the cornfield. And they're very different energies. One's very good, one's very bad. And the main characters that we're going to discuss are Fran, who is a, a pregnant, I believe, college student who um, leaves her town with Harold, who is a annoying um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. young man. Um, the first recorded very... incel. It's I'm... like the, yeah, the, the first recorded brother, incel. <laughs> the yeah, younger brother, younger brother of, of a best friend. friend. Right? Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, then there's Stu, who is a man from East Texas, East who Texas. was <laughs> who was um at the very first encounter um what would it be like ground zero pretty much of, yeah patient yeah. zero yeah patient oh. zero he got he was patient in four. interaction with pa- patient four right there were three before him at least anyway well, he, no anyway. anyway anyway so he has interaction with patient zero and he doesn't get sick so he is taken by the, the military and uh tested to see why it ends up breaking out. There's also Lloyd, who is a, um, he's been arrested for murder. Uh, and the dark man comes to him and there's a lot happening there. There's Mother Abigail, who is the woman in the dreams and uh, Randall Flagg, and, who is a, a dark man who um, <laughs> goes and saves Lloyd from the, from the jail there's larry who is a, a musician from new york and nick a man who is both deaf and mute and yeah i don't, I don't know really what to say about those two yeah. yeah other than that we'll get into them yeah yeah uh so yeah so a lot of characters in this one and we haven't even yeah. and this and is those just, are just the main one. ones yeah yeah um so the stand Stephen King published in 1978. Um, you know, compared to Carrie, Salem's Lot and The Shining, I mean, I think book one is longer than any of those books. Maybe, I think, maybe not quite as long as Salem's Lot. Um, but, whew, it's, I mean, just expansive. Um, which, I mean, I think makes it fun. Um, but Stephen King had really wanted to create, he said, like this sort of, his version of Lord of the Rings, but like Americana. Um, do you guys think, based on what we've read so far, it, have you guys read Lord of the Rings, seen Lord of the Rings? Do you think it feels like that? Um, wait, he... He I, wanted it to be like um, his version of Lord of the Rings, but like the Americana version. Uh, 
Americana version of Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Oh, I can't. I can't say he succeeded. Yeah. Um, I so guess I yeah. can. I guess I can. I mean, maybe once we get further in. Yeah. But I guess I can kind of see where the inspiration came from. Like, or like, yeah, I can see it in there. Yeah. Um, there are a couple different things that inspired the stand. One was the Patty Hearst case. Are you familiar with that one? Oh, I think so. Um, she first became known for like being uh, kidnapped by the Symbionese Liberation Army, and then she was found and arrested 19 months after being abductive. Um, basically, that's where like Stockholm syndrome comes from. Right. Uh, so that was the Patty Hearst case. He also had read, <clears throat> excuse me, a, a book earlier in his life from George R. Stewart called Earth Abides, which is basically like the odyssey of one of the last human survivors after the population is nearly annihilated by a plague. Um, his quote, Stephen King says, with my Patty Hearst book, I never found the right way in. So he tried to write a book about Patty Hearst over the course of six weeks. It didn't happen. And during that entire six-week period, something else was nagging very quietly at the back of my mind. It was a news story I had read about the accidental CBW spill in Utah. This article called up memories of a novel called Earth Abides by George R. Stewart. And one day while sitting at my typewriter, I wrote, just to write something, the world comes to an end, but everybody in the SLA is somehow immune. Snake bit them. I looked at that for a while and then typed. No more gas shortages. That was sort of a cheerful, that was sort of cheerful in a horrible sort of way. Um, and then in terms of the Lord of the Rings thing, he says, for a long time, 10 years at least, I had wanted to write a fantasy epic like the Lord of the Rings, only with an American setting. I just couldn't figure out how to do it. Then after my wife and kids and I moved to Boulder, Colorado, I saw a 60-minute segment on chemical biological warfare. I never forgot the gruesome footage of the test mice shuddering, convulsing, and dying all in 20 seconds or less. That got me remembering a chemical spill in Utah that killed a bunch of sheep. These were canisters on their way to some burial ground. They fell off the truck and ruptured. And I remembered a news reporter saying, if the winds had been blowing the other way, there was Salt Lake City. This incident later served as the basis of a movie called Rage, starring George C. Scott. But before it was released, I was deep into the stand, finally writing my American fantasy epic, set in a plague-decimated USA. Only instead of a hobbit, my hero was a Texan. And instead of a dark lord, my villain, my villain was a ruthless drifter and supernatural madman named Randall Flagg. The Land of Mordor, Where the Shadows Lie, was played by Las Vegas. He also nearly stopped because he had writer's block, which is not hard to imagine, given how large this book is. Um, yeah, he... I mean, there's, I can go over a couple of facts about the book if you guys want. Um, pull it up here. So he had a story that he was working on beforehand where the super flu originally came up as the captain trips nickname, uh, in a science fiction short story called night surf. Um, he published it at the university of Maine literary journal. Um, but the virus originates in Southeast Asia in that one. Um, we already went over the chemical weapon stuff. Uh, he also, <clears throat> as we kind of pointed out to, I believe in Salem's lot and how his idea and understanding of government and his untrustworthiness of that government uh, went fed into how he wrote his characters. It also helped with this one because it was at the end of the Nixon era who at that point was probably 
the most uh, televised, dirty politician. Um, but also it was during the gas crisis. I mean, everything was going wrong. Everything seemed like it was going downhill. So Stephen King's fears were exacerbated by this, which I think shows through what we've read so far. Um, definitely comes up a lot. And yeah, Christian Radio also made a contribution as well. Um, he heard a sermon while living in Colorado that said, once in every generation, the plague will fall among them. And it made such an impression on him that he kept it. So, yeah. Nice. Good stuff. Wow. Um, so, we'll start with characters. Um, since Paige brought them up, we can talk about Charles Campion from the testing facility, military testing facility, a.k.a. Patient Zero, and his darling family. What do you guys think of this? So, this... Uh, Kenneth and I, and I think Paige also too, we have the 1990 version, which is like the complete and uncut edition. And yeah. the beginning actually yeah. adds a lot more about what, like how the virus uh, originated. So what did you guys think yeah. about that whole thing? I also think that our copies are not only just like complete and uncut, but like he's added a bunch of stuff he originally had taken out. Yeah. Which yeah. I think a lot of the stuff that I, I'm like, I, I, every now and again, I'll see something that is so unnecessary. And I'm like, was this something that he originally cut? <laughs> right. But he's like, I can put it back in now. I, um, I felt bad for the, the campions though. Cause like, like you kind of want to be mad at the guy because you're like, dude, you know what's happening, and now you you he's the reason the plague starts. Really. Yeah. They could have contained it. And, like, but then you don't feel bad, because, like, his, so it's him, his wife, and their, like, three-year-old daughter? Yes. Four-year-old daughter? Yep. Three. And they all die, so. And I think it's, like, his uh, wife and daughter die before he does. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. But he doesn't know that, unfortunately. He, he gets to a place in his brain right. where everything's taken over so bad. He has no idea what's going on. Mm -hmm. But, yeah. I mean, I think that obviously he was just a guard so he didn't know what the virus was how it spread like he didn't mm -hmm. have any of that top secret information so in his mind if he could get away from it fast enough in the air the wind right. was blowing the right way he would go the other way then everything would be perfectly fine like i it, it it's unfortunate that he ended up i mean killing so many people <laughs> but yeah. he dies yeah. too and that's also sad yeah yep. but just uh. to take a, a weird pause Kenneth, you listened to the audiobook as well this time around? Yeah, so I read through, um, I think, chapter 33, and then the rest I listened to um, on the audiobook, yeah. Oh, you are one lucky son of a bitch. Um, at the beginning, <laughs> what's, I don't even know the baby's name, the three-year-old. Oh, I'm not going to look it up. Is but, it LeVar? Was that what it was? LeVon. LeVon, baby LeVon. Baby LeVon. She sounded like a diner waitress, so yeah, that makes sense. She did. Now let me tell you about this man reading oh, the audiobook no. this time around and his baby voice that he used oh, for baby no. Levon. Oh my god. It it was like nails on a chalkboard. Like yeah. I wanted to just skip that entire scene. It was terrible. Anytime he uses a woman's voice or like and there are certain areas where I'm like I feel I almost felt bad for this man. I don't I really hope it's in book 1 cuz I read a little bit past. But at one point he has to buck like a chicken. 
and I am like this poor I think I wrote a note where I was like this poor man just had to buck like a chicken there's a lot of stuff in it but I'm just like okay I mean I'm sure he got paid a lot of money this is a I, long book but honestly I just I can't do the baby voice no I can't. I can't wait till we get to Cujo and you have to listen to whoever bark like a dog oh that'd be great <laughs> sounds oh, like Brian oh. from Family Guy <laughs> bark 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 <laughs> Bark, 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 yeah. bark. Um, so yeah, yeah, I mean, they were a, a sweet enough little all-American family. He was just trying to do his job and freaked out and wanted to protect his wife and kid. Like it, right. it's it was what it is, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he is uh, the one who leads us to one of our main antagonists, protagonists, antagonists, protagonists. There we go, uh, yeah. Stuart Redman. Yeah. From Arnett, and, Texas. You, you're pro them. You root for them. They're, they're yes. the protagonist. Do I? Yeah. Do I root for Stu Redman? I don't know what Brady roots for these days. I like Stu. Why don't we talk about that man like in the cowboy boots and the denim jacket? Anyway. No. But I, no, uh, Stu is great. I thought you were talking about Stu. Um, <laughs> there's too many cowboy boots in this book. That's true. Um, I like Stu. I like Stu a lot. He's one of the more likable characters, I think. Um, yeah. He, I, I like agree. that he's very mellow and he's very like, I feel like I would like him in real life. He would just be like in a Southern accent. I can't do one. So I'm going to not do one, <laughs> but he's he just be like, Hey, Hey darling, how you doing? And I'd be like, okay. Yeah. A but little he's New Jersey like, twang at the end. He seems really smart and capable mm-hmm. and wholesome. Like right. there's, there's a lot to like about him. Yeah. And like the um, King adds in that little bit where he's, Ner- so he gets taken to the the um that military facility in Stovington. Atlanta, Shout out Stovington so. uh, from mm. Shining. There's a lot of mentions. There's like at least three things in this book so far that I've come across that are references to The Shining. Yeah, but um, he escapes that, and then he doesn't want to go back again when he runs into Fran and Harold because he's like nervous about it. And I just like that he added that vulnerability to this like macho character. Yeah, I really liked him. Um, I really like his scenes where he's at the first holding cell in Atlanta and he's not letting the nurse like take any blood and just how calm he is, but it's annoying everybody. And like the jokes he makes where he pretends to like swipe to at them. Yeah, to or, cough on yeah. the doctor yeah. when he doesn't have the mask and sends him running. It's just, <laughs> he's like, like you said, he's just one of those really good guys who seems pretty laid back. Um but you know, like you wouldn't want to mess with them. Like they Mm -hmm. can definitely hold their own. Um, I think especially like as he goes on to Stovington and then deals with his own fear that comes with that escape. um, I think it it definitely like makes him more of a human character Mm -hmm. instead of just this like stoic figure. Um, I mean, it's also incredibly human when, he finds out for certain from the doctor that like everyone that he knows and loves who was Mm -hmm. either taken to the facility in Atlanta that he first was in with him or that got left behind and was quarantined in by the military. Like they're all dead. Every single person Mm -hmm. he knows and loves is dead. And he was so concerned about like the man and his wife and kid, like, yeah, the baby girl. It was very sad. That was pretty sad. But I also think like at the same time, like he already kind of knew. I know, but it's like it's it's a knowing in the back of your mind, and then there's being confronted with the reality of it. Right. You know, there's still like a sense of hope until someone yeah. actually says something. It's like maybe, just maybe, because you don't know 
you can't know and then he tells you and you're like mm-hmm. well fuck me like yeah. this sucks uh like, there are stop using your code name because there's only <laughs> one of you now right yeah and there are tons of minor characters that surround like each of the the main characters mm-hmm. in the chapters in different settings um i don't think there's really anybody really to talk about it like in Stu's surrounding circle Not you know really. he's got like a couple good old boys that he even says like we're kind of like shitty towards the end when he thinks about how they died um i do like dr elder i believe was his name who's the mm-hmm. the doctor he describes as somebody who wouldn't be a doctor, like more like a henchman who is his doctor in Stovington and then comes to what he assumes is kill him because they can't get any sort of his immunity out of him. So um, I thought that character was good for that little conflict. Um, But I didn't really find anybody else in his circle interesting, did you? I, I mean, was curious to know, did you guys actually think that he was in there to kill Stu? Or do you think that Stu kind of like freaked out a little early? I think he was there to I kill him. I think he was going to kill him. Okay. Because when I first started, or I think that was one of the ones I was listening to. I was like, whoa, Stu, calm down. You don't know he's mm-hmm. actually going to kill you yet. I think that Stu tries to convince himself that maybe that wasn't what was going to happen. And like, he feels bad about it again. It's that like, what if you don't know? So he's now got this doubt in the back of his mind. Like what if he wasn't going to, but when you look at all of the facts put together and like, yeah, he definitely was, but he just had that doubt because he's a good guy. So he's like, what if I just killed this man for nothing? Like, right. So he feels bad about it, even though it was something he had to do to save his life. Um, I'm also like, why? Sorry. Go. No, yes. you're fine. <laughs> the only other people I can think of, like at this part, are like the the scientist in the lab. Like he goes back to the lab where it all started, and he's like looking at all the monitors, and they're talking. That just lets us in on like the government side of things. What's oh. going on? That's like our little peep into that. Are you talking about? Was his name Starkey? Was that his name? Yeah. There's yeah. like a. William Starkley or something, the sergeant or whatever. And he like goes into that bunker. So there's, yeah, they kind of let us into, like we get the view of what's going on from everybody's like normal people um, experiences. And then that's how we kind of figure out like what the government is actually doing, what the military is doing, what they're saying. Um, And there was just like a really weird thing they kept talking about, which was that guy who had died in the cafeteria with his face in a bowl of beans. Yeah. Yeah. It was like there there was a lot of time. Oh yeah. Or soup or something. It was like, there was a lot of time spent talking about this dead man with his face in a bowl. Well, I mean, he's been staring at him for like the past seven days. I know, but did I have to stare at him for seven days? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I did like this whole segment with, like the the military people because it shows like the length that Starkey and the military went to to like contain everything like they quarantined Arnett and then they like cut off their landlines so they couldn't even call out and then they set up roadblocks disguised as construction workers but if reporters came by they like shot them yeah, that was like intense that, for me that bit about the the news reporters coming and then mm-hmm. like they got chased down holy fuck yep but then he's also the one that to have the contingency plan wants to have the spies in different countries release the virus so 
to act like it came from somewhere exactly. else. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then he ends up committing suicide because he's a piece of shit. But right. Um, and then he hands over like command to one of his colleagues who then has to go stand in front of the president and uh creighton that was his name yeah Yeah. i know that um when Stu is in i don't know if it's the atlanta location or the stowington location there's like a nurse who um he interacts with a lot like a female nurse oh in atlanta yeah 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 Yeah. and i remember like the way that she was described i imagined her almost like the kind of woman in a johnny bravo episode like she was just described in this way where i was like why is she being so sexualized and then like she's even in a skirt uniform and correct me if i'm wrong but i feel like so this book takes place in 1990 yeah um for some reason he was like yeah let's write it 12 years in the future that's fine um (laughs) i know what's gonna happen then but uh i'm like did nurses wear skirts until 1990 i don't know no idea. I mean, I watched ER and that came out in like 1992, right? And they didn't wear skirts. Yeah, they I'm wore like, scrubs. Wouldn't they be wearing like scrubs? Yeah. Like, it's a good point. A, yeah. Yeah. Some of the timelines in this, I'm like, all right, this is getting a little confusing. Like, why are you doing this? Why yeah. can't you just say it happened in 1978? Um, yeah, I don't understand. Anything else with Stu Redman and his initial crew? Mm-mm. No. We like Stu Redman. I think we, we, like all, Stu. we all yeah, do like Stu. Do. So let's move to Maine. Let's talk about Frances Goldsmith, often called Franny. Oh, Franny. Oh, Franny. She's the pregnant Franny. Pregnant college student. uh, Got pregnant by Jesse Ryder, who is also a college student. Um, Her boyfriend. Well, is it her boyfriend? More like just like a brief partner. Yeah. I I didn't think that it was like. I think it's serious. Yeah, it was kind of casual. Well, yeah, semi serious, I guess. Right? <laughs> um, I just think like if they had been a little bit more serious, there wouldn't be so much of like a weird when she said that she was pregnant, there wouldn't yeah. have been all that like, I'll do right by you. And it's like, you know, yeah. if we were dating, I'd hope so. <laughs> yeah. But also, I think like the scenes between them are when for me, the book like really like initially hit me because that's I think chapter three because you have Campion and you have mm-hmm. Stu Redman. I believe, and then you have a section for Franny, and like when she and Jesse are together, and that whole scene where she's breaking the news to him that she's pregnant. I thought it was really well written. Um, sometimes his emotional stuff between men and women can get a little <laughs> yes. weird, um, but I liked it. Um, and then alongside of Franny and Jess, we're gonna get the lovely Harold. Um, but also we have her parents, um, I believe and her, her dad's name psycho. is, yeah, her mom's a psycho. Well, her dad's name is Peter, like moms. Carla, and then she had a brother named Fred who passed away. So let's start with Franny. Um, really like Franny through part one. Um, hasn't given me much to not like, I guess. I think that who she's supposed to be is somebody who's like my sister's age who's pregnant and just trying to get through college and i mean she kind of comes like from a rich girl family it seems like or well to do in new england so that's not mm-hmm. like my sister sorry hannah and <laughs> she's just kind of it's like almost like this situation is designed not designed but is going to mature her but also there's a super flu going on 
And so she's having to rationalize with that and deal with the loss of her parents. And I loved her dad. I thought her dad was great. Oh, yeah. Her dad was great. Yeah. But yeah. What did you guys think of Franny? I I want to like her a lot more than I think I do. Like, I I like her a lot, but she is one stupid bitch. Ooh. Like, Damn. she's... There are moments where I'm like, you went to college. You went to UNH. How how do you not realize, like, this is happening or that's happening? Like, there's a... Um, I don't know if maybe it's just like she doesn't understand the world and the way it's changed since the um, the flu. But uh, at one point, um, she and Harold are going to leave. And Harold says that they need to get a gun. And she's like, why? <laughs> and all I can think, why the fuck do you? The world is like, it's Mad Max out there. What do you think? Why do you think you need a gun? Right. And of course he uses it as an excuse to be like, I have to protect you from the men who want to ravage you. But like, <laughs> you're not dumb, Fran. You know that people will just try to, you don't know who's out there. <laughs> There's It's lawless. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, that just kind of plays back into the fact that she's lived this very privileged and sheltered life in That's general. Um, and also that like, maybe she thinks that everyone's a really good person you know like she oh, just hasn't ever go. had to run into horrible people before like i don't know she's she knows harold he is kind of an idiot <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry yeah you're right <laughs> that's true but i like her because she's very um strong <laughs> she is she is very yeah. she's like independent she's like i'm gonna have this baby on my own Mm -hmm. I don't even, yeah. I don't need Jess. I don't need nobody. Which is awesome. And like, yeah. nobody's going to tell her what to do. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. nobody's going to tell her to have an abortion. Nobody's going to tell her to marry that man. Like, mm -hmm. she's going to figure it out. Even if she doesn't know exactly what's going to happen, maybe adoption, mm -hmm. whatever. She's like, this is mine. Like, this is my responsibility to take on and I'm going to. Yep. I like to think that that comes from having one really strong connection to a parent. Because I feel like if she just had her mom, she wouldn't be as strong as I think that she is. But because her dad is so, like, encouraging and supportive, even if he doesn't, like, agree with everything, I feel like that helps a lot. Yeah. No, I agree. I, I definitely like kind of the contrast between Peter and Carla. Um, you find that Franny talks to Peter first, her dad, while her mom is out. And I think that conversation... Like you said, Guinness, he's just supportive, caring, kind of wise. He's like the old sage. Um, mm -hmm. But you you get a hint of like he's still kind of unsure of how to navigate his wife. They talk about Carla being a very bitter woman, like describe her as an asp with venom ready to strike. And you find out that Carla, the mother, is this way because uh, when Franny was young, she had an older brother. Uh, I think his name was Fred that got hit by a car uh and ever since that moment like her mom just couldn't function like that was her favorite son or her favorite child and then franny got kind of neglected by the way and what'd you think of that i mean i still like i, I didn't think it, it justified how she treated franny at all um but i also like and, and i don't know i didn't for me understand like i i didn't that scene where she blows up in the parlor, it, it didn't hit me quite like I thought it would. I was oh, like, really? 
like her, like she seemed unrealistic in that moment. Carla? Yeah, Carla did. Oh. Hmm. I don't agree with you. I think she seems like a woman who snapped. Yeah. Like, it, yeah. it happens. Like, True. Yeah, I feel like it was a little bit of like she's finally confronted with the like the outcome of her treatment towards her, her kid. And it's like now she's about like, it, you know, it's almost like she's losing two kids in a way, like Fred and Fran, which is also like, why would you name your kids that? <laughs> Fred and Franny. Freddie Mac and Freddie and Franny. But yeah, I definitely I I thought it was a powerful scene. I don't get why King doesn't like moms. Every character has to have a bad relationship with their mom. All right. <laughs> All right now. Um <laughs> just saying. But then I mean this whole scene fight where Franny then goes back to like the summer motel to live there because she's not sure what she's gonna do. Her mom doesn't want her there. But after mm-hmm. Peter comes in and slaps her and tells her that she's been acting vicious and bitter towards everybody for too many years now and he let it go on and he's partially at fault and that Fred's not going to be able to come back, but she's also like shouldn't be trying to push their other child away. Um, and then he affirms, reaffirms that Franny will be able to stay with them and use his money as long as she needs to because she's family. And then um they kind of all go their separate ways well yes but then mom gets super flu well yes so that's right. what i was leading up yeah. to she gets the super flu and she ends up dying and franny feels partially responsible because she thinks that she had weakened her mother's state and that's why she wasn't able to fight off this virus because still at this point they don't realize it's the super flu yeah and then within a few hours of that her father gets sick and also dies and then she has to bury him bury in his flower him garden, garden which was very sweet i thought yeah. and she changed him too yeah that whole Ugh, I, no, I thought it couldn't. was a really good look into um like co- confronting modern western ideals of like funerary preparation mm-hmm. like that's how a lot of cultures like a lot of cultures you're like the family members the one that washes and reclothes and does all of that stuff and because of the way the world was she had to do it herself and it's not normal in our area of the world yeah it's a good point uh but then this is the scene that we get to meet harold mm. <coughs> who was her i think it's is it louder lauder harold lauder yeah, something like harold that yeah. um but he is the younger brother of was it alice the one getting married, Amy. Right? It was Amy, the one who was getting married. Yeah, and, she has a best friend getting married. But she dies. And mm-hmm. Harold comes around to check on Franny while she's in the middle of burying her father. And I think this is the first character that made me go, oh, like even more than <laughs> like serial killers on the loose. Um, yeah, oh my God. It's just like he has this stuck up attitude. Mm-hmm. First of all, like, you know, he comes from a rich family. Like as soon as yeah. you start speaking. Um, they describe King describes him as being like the local outcast where everybody is kind of annoyed by him, but he doesn't really care so much because he sees himself as above everybody else. And he's the writer for his school paper, uh, aspiring to be a novelist who talks in very lofty terms, which is Mm -hmm. very, very, very annoying. Um, what's the thing he calls Franny? My dear child, Uh, my dear child. Oh, oh. 
Yeah. I'm just going to say it. He is gross. Like, just everything yeah. about him feels gross. He's also where, like, I feel King kind of, like... At first, I thought maybe King just had a problem with women. Specifically, heavy women. Because in some of his books I've read, yes. he, like, really goes hard on them. Yeah. yeah. But he even goes hard on this Harold kid and just, like, I don't need to know that Harold... He's just fat-phobic like, in general, yeah, right? Yeah, he, he definitely seems <laughs> he's fat-phobic. Every phobic. He's, every <laughs> he's, phobic. he's just a phobic. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, they said what is Harold... The, what's the phobic when you're afraid of everything? <laughs> Stephen King-phobia. Stephen um, <laughs> King-phobia. I mean, it, what he is described by his sister as wearing the same boxer shorts until they stood on their own due to their crustiness. <gasps> yep. <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of masturbating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's well, a bunch of dudes out in the wild. I think for any of our, our female listeners, um, or even just, I feel like maybe just our woman listeners, they, you have met a man like this in high school <laughs> or something. You have met a man like this who, like, thinks he's above everyone and pretends like he doesn't care, but he really does. And he wants everyone to like him, but he thinks that like, he doesn't want to put in any work to make others like him. And he's creepy. So every time he's around you, you know, he's like, you don't want to turn around because you don't want him to like, look at your butt. Like we all know one of these. We all know one. Let me ask you this. And I I don't mean to follow that up (laughs) with this more serious question, but do you think that Harold is just like a piece of trash man or do you think that maybe he has like some sort of asperger's i thought he was just a piece of trash man but i think he's just trash but he's not trash man he's just a trash no 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 no. he's not the trash man he goes into the ring throws trash around (laughs) the trash man Uh, man. i mean he definitely is like a smart kid it's not saying that he's just a dumb like brute but he's just it's that typical teenage kid who mm-hmm. thinks he knows better than everybody else oh i'm gonna be like an adult here soon and i know better yeah. than you and it's just i guess king writes him really well because i just mm-hmm. repulsed by him mm-hmm. he kind of strikes me as someone who you know grew up in a privileged household with maybe a, a mother who did a lot of coddling and made him think that he was all that in a bag of chips yep and then like he got this inflated ego though even if he does have um, an Im- impairment or like Asperger's or something, I feel like it doesn't excuse a lot of the things that he does. Like it doesn't give you an excuse to be a dick. Yeah. Someone still yep. needs to be there to be like, all right, you got a course correct here. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think one of the parts that I really hated too was af- towards the end of book one where uh, Franny, Stu and Harold all run into each other that mm-hmm. Like, Franny's like, oh, yeah, here's another person who looks, like, pretty fine, pretty civil. And Stu's walking up like, oh, yeah, finally seeing people. And then Harold's, like, got his hand on his gun at all times. And mm-hmm. is, like, just being a complete douche about it. Like, I really hated him in that scene. Yeah. Too. Yeah. I think he would have acted differently if Stu had been a woman, for sure. Oh, probably. Oh, yeah. yeah. He would have said, my dear child, would you like <laughs> come to come along, with us? <laughs> come along. Yes. Don't, Don't listen fr- to anything Fran says. I'm awesome. <laughs> He would say it just like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't really think there's a lot of other people in Franny's circle that we need to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesse so. is barely in it. Oh, there's the guy from the park or something. Like the last guy to die. Oh, of the uh, Gus? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't remember a lot about him. I just remember he was there. Yeah, he was the last person and they thought he was uh, 
on one of the barricades that the townspeople had voted to install, basically like martial law. And, or I guess that would be, that wouldn't be martial law. They do their own sort of town law. Um, and right, that was a really good representation of xenophobia too. I think that whole clip where they barricade off the town, they don't let anyone in. They like are kicking out, um, the vacationers. Like a, yeah, yeah. She lives in a coastal town. So there are people like, what do they call them? Um, Summerers people, or whatever, something like that. Summer people. Think, yeah. yeah. It was something like that. And like, they're like kicking them out and you're like, if you're not a townie, you can't stay. Yeah, I did like the, the they, he wrote that the summer people then rose up and said, well, we give, we pay taxes for only being right. here for three months. So How would your economy be without me, bitches? Exactly. <laughs> the reason so, your library is free, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, did, I did like that. So kudos to King for kind of redeeming himself there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, and so Gus was one of the last people that Franny saw alive other than Harold, but who would want to be around Harold? Oh, and God. If I had to, he... Mm-mm. No, I think that is like the real fear of this story. <laughs> Franny <laughs> potentially Harold. being stuck with Harold for the rest of eternity. Oh, um, yeah, and so Gus just Franny thinks he's going to get better, and he doesn't, and he dies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's our our good little town in Maine. Yeah. That seems to be how the flu works too. Is like people get really sick, and then they start to kind of get better, and you think that they're recovering, and then they just like die suddenly. Yep. Yeah, and it's it's very, but it's also like super fast, isn't it? Usually within like twenty four yeah. hours, twenty four to forty eight hours. Yeah, something super quick. Yeah, that'd be crazy, but especially like the whole like, thinking they're getting better. And there's a couple ways I think that they're described as dying. One of them, which is really graphic, is that people's throats kind of start to close up, like they oh. they literally can't breathe, mm. and so when you find them after they've died they've like clawed at their necks so much that they're like shred and blue yeah so that's one and then the other thing he describes is choking on their own mucus Mm -hmm. because their bodies are producing so much mucus oh yeah like at the beginning where they're talking about the one lady in texas who's babysitting and she like smacks the baby on the back and they've never seen that much mucus of a baby That's and that's how it's little like suction thingies. Like everyone, you kind of like when you hear him say, like, she sneezed, he had a runny nose, you're like, oh, it's the super flu. Like, you yeah. know, yeah. you know yeah. it's coming. Oh, that was really good. Yeah. I did like that. I think I don't know if it, it's different for us who are reading it now because it's, you know, COVID, but I do think that he did a really good job of showing just how devastating this thing is and how easily it can spread because it's like and on his way to back home to missouri the trucker spread it to the girl he gave the five dollar tip to at the diner and it's like just like walking past people leaving church or like leaving bingo night yeah you brought it up since you brought it up yeah, yeah, yeah i have been keeping an eye out for bloopers in this book because well, I say that, but I really only did it at the beginning because <laughs> there are so many parts of this where I was like, did he look at a map at all? Or is he just like using fifth grade geography memory? <laughs> he probably did what he did is... with the shining and just like randomly chooses a spot on the map. He's like, yep, yeah, Stu's going to be here. I need to fucking find this because I, where did he put? Um, uh, okay, so there's a point where there, it's the chapter where he talks about um, like it spreading from one coast to the other and this mm-hmm. person touched this person and whatever. And there's a family 
who went to who are from New York City and went to Disney World and are traveling back up to New York and for some reason are in East Texas traveling from Orlando to New York City. <laughs> he said, yeah, yeah, that's fine. There's that 1,200 pages in this book. That doesn't, <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. And then, and at some point he like, he asks someone where the 21 is, it's like US Route 21 or something. And he was like, and this guy, this local from East Texas is like, oh yeah, that's this way. Go that way. I looked up where that route is. It is, doesn't even go through Texas. It is nowhere near. It makes sense that he'd be looking for 21 for the route from Orlando to New York City. But someone in East Texas wouldn't know where 21 is. And it just, that is, yeah. Damn. Where are you at, Stephen King? Gotta answer for some things. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, he always says, if it sounds like a place where you live, I'm not writing about that place. And if it sounds like a person you know, I'm not writing about that person. Right. So really, I think he just gives himself as much room as he wants mm -hmm. to like, I'm going to fuck it up. can't say anything. I looked this up to see if anyone caught, else caught it. And mm. there's an entire page of like bloopers from this book. But um, I know, I'll send it to you. <laughs> but uh at one point, like someone wrote, I think it was like on a Reddit page or something that he's like, he, he says King specifies that it's like the US, but also not the US. It's like an alternate timeline situation. <laughs> and I'm like, bull shit. Yeah. Because like, there's so many other parts of this where I'm like, why that? Okay. So then that state's next to that state, but that other state can't, Texas is somewhere in between Florida and <laughs> Mm -hmm. Yeah, it seems like Texas is everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not that big. Okay, it's big. It's big. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, I'd be interested to see that list, how many bloopers there are, especially when we get done. But mm -hmm. I mean, you got to think the editor was probably like, dude, I can't read this fucking 1200 page book yeah. again for like the seventh time. I it's think, fine. I'm sure whatever you did is fine. Yeah, I think some of the bloopers are things like... Um, there are certain parts of the book that even I was a little confused because sometimes he'll say things he'll write as if he's um, like from the point of view of the character. And then sometimes he writes as like just the narrator. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, okay, is, is King the one saying the N word or is this character the one saying the N word? Mm. And some of it's that we're like, um, because Nick is what we will bring him up at some point, but like, because he's deaf, they mention like a sound and they're like, well, how would Nick have been able to hear, hear that he's deaf? So you don't know, is he writing from Nick's point of view or from his own? And there's a, so much confusion with that. Yeah. Well, let's move to Nick then. So Nick Andros is in Arkansas, right? Shoyo, Arkansas. I think so. Is that where he was? Shoyo. I Shoyo. know Shoyo. Shoyo. And um, Shoyo. he is a 22 year old drifter. Uh, he is deaf and mute, and he gets beat up and all his money stolen from at a bar um, one night is rescued because the local doctor almost hits him and then is taken to jail where he meets Sheriff John Baker. And Sheriff John Baker here hears his story, sees his story as Nick writes it out for him and explains his predicament, helps him track down the people responsible for it, and then we get to see Nick's perspective of how the super flu hits this small Arkansas town. Um, I really like Nick. I think probably so far he is my favorite in part one. Um, I think that his part of the story 
is very compelling, just everything that he goes through and how he has to go through it. Um, I think he, King does a really good job when he has the moments where he describes what Nick is going through and like how things are happening around him that he doesn't know. Like when um, uh, Ray comes back and mm-hmm. he's like, Oh, like if he had been able to hear, he would have noticed that somebody was behind him, but he didn't notice until mm-hmm. the hands were around his throat. Like, and just how brave this kid is because he's like, yeah, I'll still put myself in the way of danger because I'm a good person and you guys are taking care of me. So I'll take care of you. What'd you think of Nick? Nick is my favorite character as like, as of right now, he is my favorite character. Mm. I love him. I, he is so brave and like, so the sheriff and his wife die. And so he kind of has to take over his sheriff until like state troopers or something can come, which never do. And so he, and he has the men who kicked the living shit out of him into the jail. And he's still like going out of his way to go make them food, bring them food and like take care of them because he knows that like, he's got this responsibility as like a step in for Baker. Yeah. Yeah. I do like to, when we get to him meeting Tom Cullen and Tom Cullen is a mentally disabled uh, man from a town that looks like they either all died or abandoned him and just up and left and went to Kansas city. And mm-hmm. Nick finds him and asks where everybody went. Tom tells him. Um, and then Nick decides that he doesn't want to be alone and that he doesn't want to leave Tom because he really likes Tom. So he invites Tom to come along with him. I, I liked Mm-hmm. those parts i'm not really sure how i feel about stephen king writing a mentally disabled character yet so far oh, it's no. been a little off-putting i'm hoping that maybe it'll come around I, because ugh. i read a little bit into book two so does tom cullen get introduced in book one i thought he or did in book two maybe i'm wrong Paige, do you know who tom cullen is no did you finish book okay, one book two yeah oh you did okay that's book I, two i think Anyways. it's book two but um yeah, I don't I don't like how he's written, but I do like that Nick is, you know, kind of well, we'll talk about it when it comes to that too. Yeah. But he he realized that again, he has this sense of responsibility where he's like even though he's already at, at a disadvantage by being deaf and mute, he's like I'm going to take on this this like fellow friend guy like who I'm going to have to keep an eye out for and feed medicine to when he has diarrhea. And like <laughs> that was like me helping Paige. Feed you medicine. I think one of the scariest parts so far about this book for me, because like the idea of it is scary, and then it's also kind of weird because we are still in a pandemic to like mm-hmm. think about what could have happened. But for me, the worst part of it is like the gruesome man on man combat. Like oh. when, yeah, I don't know why. I think it's just too real for me. It makes me really queasy when they talk about him getting beat up the first time and like his teeth being smashed in his jaw. Mm, like yeah. that was a lot. And then when Ray comes back the second time, he literally like puts his thumb in his eye and is trying oh, to yeah. pop his. Yeah, oh, yeah. It is so like, I. I want to stick my fingers in my ears and la 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 until it's all over because I just mm-hmm. for some reason like I can't stomach that well and there seems to be 
unfortunately, kind of a lot of it so yeah. far. I um, I have also noticed um, it's kind of related, sort of not related, but um, I was talking to someone today about the fact that I've noticed that King doesn't bring up a character's race or skin color unless they're not white. Mm. And so I've started kind of like imagining them based on my own, how I just think the character is. And I, I envision Nick Andros as a person of color. And I like, I don't know. I don't know how you guys were envisioning him. I haven't seen the movie yet, so I didn't have any sort of like previous things, but yeah, I always like reading this book. I've envisioned him as a person of color as well. Okay. I think I didn't think a lot about it. And I just imagine that Stephen King wrote it. So the guy's probably fucking white. Like it just, right. you know, like, of course, because yeah. he'll tell you when they're a person like, of color. Right. Oh, he'll let you know. Guy. It's <laughs> just, yeah, he'll it was one of those know. things I just chalked up to like, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, I did like the bakers. I thought that they were like sweet. They were sweet. They're Same awesome. with the doctor. I thought he was a really sweet character. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. The villains yeah. are all terrible. So I think he did a good job with that, especially Ray. Yeah, they suck. Um, Even at the end when they're like, I mean, I know that they're begging for their lives, essentially. Mm-hmm. But they were douchebags to him. And Nick still and, like, let him this go. Yeah. Save your life. Yeah. And yeah. you're still being a dick? Like, mm-hmm. why do you think he's going to let you out? Yeah. Exactly. And that's one of the ways. So when I first was introduced to Nick, I, I thought King was insinuating that he he was a person of color based on like something he said. And I was like, oh, what a nice subtle way to tell me that he's a person of color. Um, and then later, like he's being insulted. And I went, oh, he's not a person of color because they're not using slurs. Mm-hmm. And I know King. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, well, they do use slurs. It's just not racial slurs. It's not, yeah. it's not racial slurs. They use other slurs for deaf mute people. Um, so yeah, I think definitely by far most interesting parts of the book are having to do with Nick Andrews. Like those chapters He's feel the like they're a breeze. Um, mm-hmm. Well, I, I would read an entire book where he's just the main oh, yeah. character, I think. I agree. Um, I just looked it up too. I think he's played by Rob Lowe in the 1994. Oh, movie. I love Rob Lowe. Um, and I think um, Tom Cullen character is played by the guy who voices Patrick Starr. I think, I think so. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> Fun fact. Fun, fun, fun fact for you. Then we have Larry Underwood, who mm-hmm. is originally from New York, spent some time on the West Coast becoming a hotshot singer with his hit Baby Can You Dig Your Man, uh, but then gets in some trouble because he's living up the rock star life. As Nickelback says, we all just want to be big rock stars. And mm-hmm. live in, in hilltop houses and do a lot cars. of cocaine. Driving fancy cars. He does a lot of cocaine. I don't know if he, <laughs> he does, a, does lot a lot of cocaine, cocaine, but they describe it as having just a like a party bowl of cocaine bowl. in the middle. A bowl and that he kept Can it full. Can you imagine uh, how much a bowl of cocaine cost? No. No. Because I don't know how much cocaine I'm costs. How much I'm sorry. Right. <laughs> well, they say in the book, right? It's like 14 grand. Oh. Oh, yeah. He owes that guy. Flowing for like whatever three days yeah, or whatever yeah. it was. Um, oh so we had to get a breakdown of that like by day. Yeah, by hour. I don't. I don't know that I like him at all. I don't. Hate him. <laughs> I think he's. Complex. I don't hate him, but I don't like him. Like mm-hmm. he just—he's definitely complex. He's got a lot of issues, and like there's some good, like inner child that he has in there, and you can kind of see it, but it's still just like. I don't know. It's buried under all of this awfulness. Well, I think it's also like his mm-hmm. mom describes him that he's a taker. And people just give and he just like uh, takes and goes. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and that like really yeah, that hits was, him. Yeah. That was one of those um, mother-child relationships I thought the King did really well, actually, was Larry and his mom, where there was obviously, like, a tension where it you could say that, see that they had their troubles, but every now and again, even after... So his mom dies of the flu, and even after she's dead and gone, he will, like, remember, like, he'll get flashbacks to memories of her tussling his hair and being like, that's my Larry, and... And I just think it's so sweet that he still thinks of those, even though they kind of had a rough moment. I also, like, anytime we say Larry, I think of Larry the Lobster from Spongebob, so that's all I can see. Larry. Um, I think of Larry David. So. Uh, <laughs> I could see that. Um, I don't I don't think of anybody, because I, I don't really think about people named Larry that often. Oh. What if we have listeners named Larry? I have I'm a sorry, Larry. Larry. Larry, can you imagine a baby named Larry? Yes. Little five-year-old Lawrence. Uh, just... My boss just named their baby um, Fred. Oh no! Oh no! I like the name. And Fred. I said, "Is it? That's my is it Frederick?" Names. And they were like, "No, it's just Fred." I was like, "Just Fred." Oh. And I was like, "Uh, oh, you don't really oh. hear babies named that anymore. Maybe like right after Harry Potter, but oh god." Um, yeah. So he, <laughs> Larry, um, his mom dies, and then he meets Rita Blakemore, which. I wasn't a huge fan of this um, time, I guess, between them. Like, it, it just, like, there is nothing really great about Rita. And again, it's one of those characters that, like, I don't know if King meant to write her, like, to annoy the shit out of everyone, or that was just, like, <laughs> he was like, oh, man, this is, like, my nagging wife and blah, blah, blah. Oh. Poor Tabby. But, like, oh, my God. I just didn't, like, I don't know. It's like he never gave her any redeeming qualities. She oh. was sad. She was very sad. She had lost her husband. Yeah. I don't really know how old she was. Somewhere between 40 and 66. And I mean, I think it... She's, what, a weird, what a weird age range you just provided. <laughs> yeah, I well, I know. <laughs> well, between 40 and I don't know, like 66. He said like upper uh, 60s. And a half. Right. Well, then how was she in her 40s? Because remember he says she went for overnight looking from like a uh, light 40. 40 to 66? To, yeah, 40 to 66 to 60 <laughs> and the upper part of that. Oh, well, well, she probably is 60 in the upper part of that. He probably had his rose colored glasses on at first. Right. I mean, he's sad. He needs a he needs a, a good cougar moment, Ugh. you know, right? God. Uh, and she's I, like really put together when he first yeah. sees her. Yeah, like she she's that, stealing that herself. Tree. Yeah. Um, I liked her for the most part. Mm. I felt a little bit like. um, Where? Wait. Again, I've read further. So where are what she dies? To yeah, them? she does. Okay, yeah, good. Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> she chokes on her vomit. I mean, okay. like yeah. in the middle, so, there's like a tunnel thing, but no, she's dead. Right. Yeah. So I, for the most part, I liked her. She was in there for such a short period of time. I felt like, what was the point of her? And I think that's probably why in the movies, I think she's joined together with another character that you meet in book two. Yeah. Um, but like she started to get on my my nerves at one point where like like when she's walking down the street and she's not wearing the right shoes so she's been bleeding mm, for mm-hmm. blocks and not saying anything and she keeps doing like don't be mad at me don't be mad at me larry please don't be mad at-. and i'm like get a grip you were old enough to be this man's probably grandmother like li- get a grip I th- you've probably seen a world <laughs> oh for me that probably just i took that as like her relationship with her previous husband was like pretty yes. bad 
oh. abusive. Okay. So that those parts, get, but yeah, at the same right. point or at the same time, I do understand what you're saying, Kenneth. Like she just like didn't mm-hmm. say anything about her shoes for like 20 blocks. Yeah. She is a grown fucking. Woman. I know. I was like, Paige wouldn't like, even like. She would take one step, and be like, "Yeah, this is not going to happen. You need to go find me some boots." Yeah, now. I'd be like, um, I mean, I even I would be like, "Ooh, free shoes. I'm gonna just go get some sneakers, yeah. throw on some Adidas, and I'm gonna get out of here." Mm. Like fancy, I know. Um, fancy. I think that she was mainly used just to like show that Larry's character journey Had where he's not a, a good person really like still at this point oh uh, his like oh. internal struggle with like yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> what were you gonna say Paige? i was gonna say the opposite where this was kind of showing how he was trying to break through to be a better person because even though she was annoying as mm-hmm. fuck and literally all she was doing was weighing him down he still went back mm-hmm. and looked for her he still picked her ass up in the tunnel and carried her halfway through essentially you know like he's Mm -hmm. still trying even if he really doesn't like her that much yeah it's probably a little bit of both where he's like his initial it's i think there's like a quote somewhere where someone was like your initial reaction is like what you've been taught to react like how you've been taught to react and then your second follow-up is like how you actually feel and so it's a little bit showing like he's like he gets so annoyed with her, but then he realizes, no, I shouldn't be upset with her. Like, how would she have known? Mm-hmm. Whatever. She's also frightened. This is the world we're in. And so it's a little bit of him determining kind of who he is as a person, too. Yeah. Because yeah, I don't think he really from what I I'm guessing, and again, I I haven't really done a lot of research into this book because it is a new one for me and I, I haven't seen any of the adaptations. So I wanted to keep it mm-hmm. as surprising as possible. But it seems to me right now at the end of book one that the main, the person who's going to go through the most change is probably Larry, right? Has to be because everybody else I is pretty imagine. much set in their ways. So I, he's got a lot change, of growth. I would say, yeah, yeah he's so. got, I feel like yeah. he's going to be the person that we end up following mm-hmm. the most. Could be wrong though. Can I just say, Maybe. I really don't want Harold to grow. I just want him to die. <laughs> Who knows what's going right, to happen. Who knows what's going to happen in book two. Um, yeah. And then in Larry Underwood's circle, we meet Glenn, a sociology professor yeah. who's painting with his dog, Kojak. Um, these sections... Who is not his dog, Oh, he, now it's his dog now. Dog. These sections were very long-winded, <laughs> I felt. Like, I get that it's like the exposition, like Mr. I'm Backstory sorry. Guy. We meet him through Larry? Oh no, that's Stu. You're right. I thought it was Stu. You're right. Yeah, oh, I was like, wait a second, because doesn't he? He calls him East Texas. Yeah, that's like, right. That's right. Texas. You're right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. So then, I don't think there's really anybody else in Larry's story, right? Like his mom. Besides his mom, Rita, um, and then like the the friend, the, that the pseudo movie. friend who was like, "You need to get the fuck uh, out Wayne. of LA." Yeah. 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 The drug um, dealer. Um. <laughs> oh, there was that guy yelling. There was like the um. What was it? He kept. He was I'm yelling stuff. Monster oh, yelling, yeah, the monster yelling caller, about monsters, yeah. and they found him dead. Stabbed. Um, that was. Oh, and good. the scene that in the was tunnel rough. was terrifying. Oh yeah. Yeah, I hated yeah. that. I hated oh, God, every I, second of that. I just I could imagine all these abandoned cars, and it's and tunnels are already creepy. Yeah. Imagine walking through it when it's all dark and decaying, and like. Mm-mm. This took me directly back to Danny Torrance in in the tunnel mm, on the playground. Mm-hmm. 
We've learned oh. Paige doesn't like tunnels. No, it's the dark. <laughs> yeah, it's the dark. Yeah. I don't care yeah, about the confined exactly. space. It is the dark. Can I say, any parents out there, do not make fun of your kids' fear of the dark because you never know what's in it. And that's the whole reason why kids are scared of the dark is mm-hmm. you don't know what's in it. Mm-hmm. I don't like uncertainty. You know what was in the dark when I was growing up? Mm-hmm. My cousins dressed up as Phantom of the Opera, scaring me. Phantom of the Opera? Yeah. Yes. Was the Phantom the of the Opera? Phantom of the Opera. Yes. Eric, if you will. Um, what a weird thing to be frightened uh, when, of. Correct. He liter- <laughs> the mask literally covers the grotesque part so of his face. when... <laughs> I was very little. My mom remarried. I was like five. And she married this guy after two months. And then out of nowhere, they were like, yeah, we're going on our honeymoon. So you got to stay with these people you've only met once. And they like didn't believe I had asthma. (laughs) So that was the one thing. Um, But then they like found out that I hated the organ music from the Phantom of the Opera soundtrack. Like it scared me. And because at that age, they're not realizing, oh, like this kid's probably traumatized from like his mother's past relationships and his own relationship with his dad. They were like, oh, this is fun. Let's send him down to the cellar to get like milk and stuff. And one of us will hide down there. And so I did not it's like Phantom terrifying. of the Opera. But now I love Phantom of the Opera. And they make fun of you for it still to this day. Yeah. Um, but anyway. Anyways, let's move on to um, Lloyd, the serial killer. Oh, right. yeah. Lloyd. Yeah, he's, it's three. He's killed three people, right? So he is a serial killer. Yeah, he right? poked, pokerized three people. Pokerized. He pokerized. It's a, it means to be means killed. It means to be killed. Yeah. It's like <laughs> <laughs> It's not like a card game. Um, yeah. so don't play. Don't play. He and. He's a duo. He's a duo. The yes. other guy was. Um, and poke. 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 Right, where it comes from. <laughs> Met each other in jail. Where it comes from. Um, got out and decided to, it sounds like, um, gun running and, but they end up leaving a bunch of bodies in their wake right before the super flu starts happening. Um, Mm -hmm. they get caught in this shootout in a grocery store and he gets sent to prison and he doesn't have too many surrounding characters. He has like the warden Mm -hmm. or not the warden, the, um, the main security guy who mm-hmm. mocks him he's got his lawyer who i liked his lawyer oh, his lawyer i liked his lawyer and then but at the yeah. part where they're like and then his he's lawyer coughs i was like no <laughs> the I lawyer's know. dead um i know he is then visited here's the neighbor yeah like the neighbor is cell neighbor he's got a cell neighbor and then he is visited by randall flag at the end of book one right that's book one mm-hmm. still yeah that's how it that's ends, how it ends. Yeah. and mm-hmm love that part um i've been in this big phase recently around serial killers and i think just recently i mean not just recently it like it comes in waves for me like it okay. Good to know. last couple months it's been like creature feature kind of stuff um but serial killers like i was listening to a podcast the other day and they talked about like their favorite serial killer books and like i watched silence of the lambs the other night again it, anyways um their their chapter where they're like on their spree, I thought was pretty entertaining. Very gruesome because it's like you mm-hmm. you're going into the story expecting, all right, pandemic's gonna happen, all these people are gonna die from this. But then it still shows like the world's still doing what it's doing and bad people are still doing bad things. Um mm-hmm. and then I did like how when 
the flu hits, almost everybody in the prison is killed. Except, I guess everybody is except Lloyd and people who left. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so he's stuck yep. there. And he had tried saving food beforehand because he kind of knew something was going to happen. He felt it. But yeah. then, I mean, he even saved a dead rat under there. But then he eats it all way too fast and drinks all his toilet water. And then starts eating a person. His yeah, neighbor. his, neighbor. his, his neighbor's like as well. At first, but he says he doesn't remember doing it. At f- so he blocked it out. Yeah, at first I didn't rem- realize that he had taken chunks out of the lake because the way it's written, it was just there were teeth marks, and I was like, I just imagined mm-hmm. it was him like trying to work up the courage. It was like had like small like imprints, mm-hmm. but then yeah. when it said he hid the lake, I was like, oh no, this motherfucker took chunks out. Mm-hmm. When you're hungry, man, literally going to die of starvation. Yeah, I don't blame too. him. I mean. <laughs> I don't know how my bowels would do eating a human that's just been lying around for days. But yeah. do you think that did they say what was happening with his bowels? He said he wasn't pooping. No, they. Well, yeah, yes, it did. You're right. Yes, it did. So it said that because of his new diet, he wasn't having any bowel issues. Um, yeah, I mean, I wonder, like, how if when you're at that point of you're about to die from starvation, does your mind still? Like ration, fully rationalize that you're eating a human. No, or, he blocked not. it out. He literally blacked well, out. He's also like a serial killer, so he's. But he's not ever thought about. He's repulsed by the idea of eating a person. He absolutely cannot stand it. But he also is in fight or flight mode, and he doesn't want to starve to death because it's excruciating. Yeah. Right. Um, so and I think did he, didn't he like technically it was his it was Poke who killed most of the people so he really just killed the people in the convenience store after they shot Poke. Well, right? no, he killed yeah. the wife of the person who owned the motel. He says he killed oh, okay. or the daughter. He killed one of them there, and then he killed people at the shootout. And but I thought there was somebody else along I, the way. Gorgeous George. Gorgeous George. That's right. Okay, <laughs> I got so. <laughs> I've been, like, slowly consuming a few different books at once. And so as I was listening slash reading this, I was also listening to In Cold Blood Mm. by Truman Capote. And there are two villains in that who go on the run. And so I, like, I kept mixing up those Mm. real-life characters and these two people. So, all right. Um, I do want to pause and say one more annoying thing about this audiobook is... mm -hmm. I don't know. Were you listening to it when Poke was around? No, I think I okay. read that. Yeah. So you know how you read it and he says whoop whoop all the time? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. This man is like whoop, 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 <laughs> whoop, whoop. Oh, my God. Whoop. We should insert, like, this we should is so annoying. Like. Oh, my God. We can do that. <laughs> we can try to do that. Yeah. Future Brady, insert that. Oh my god, we're gonna just like clip that part of Paige's audio and use that in future episodes. <laughs> it's my new ringtone. So obnoxious. Um, uh, anyway. Anyways, <laughs> other than that, I mean, I feel like we really haven't gotten a lot of Lloyd, but based on how mm, really. it ends, like I'm sure he's gonna be a pretty big part of books mm-hmm. two and three. Um, especially he's since the Dark Man's right hand man. Dark Man's right hand man. Yeah, so Oh, yeah, Randall Flag. Speaking of, actually, Randall Flag gets introduced before this. Point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, before this, but he shows up, and I love when he shows up at the jail because I think what it is is Lloyd just hears shoes, or he hears someone singing and walking around. I mm-hmm. think, and he try he's 
internally like i feel like he can feel the evil coming mm-hmm. off randall flag because he's like should i call out to him mm-hmm. or should i like he might be my only way out but also i don't know who he is and that whole thing was really interesting yeah his instinct immediately was like don't you open your fucking mouth like yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> he knew something bad was gonna happen and i'm actually like <clears throat> really excited to read more about randall flag because that is one of the mm-hmm. things i knew well, two things I knew about this is that Randall Flagg was the main villain in this story. Mm-hmm. And I know that he comes sorry, up Paige. in other... What'd you say? I said, sorry, Paige. Oh. <laughs> and that he... <laughs> I accidentally ruined it for her. I'm sorry. <laughs> and that he comes up in other King books. Um, so I was really excited to like read his parts. And I felt like they in part one, they lived up to it. Like his introduction where it talks mm-hmm. about how he kind of always has been. He's just been a different... Like there's been different incarnations of him. So he's a KKK member. He also kidnapped. Mm-hmm. He was one of the Patty Hearst kidnappers. And uh, he has memories of being a Marine. And it's like, he's just like the essence of evil that inhabits a different person in a different right. timeline. Yeah. Um, I have issues with this. Man. <laughs> uh, Let me, yeah, go I'm, ahead. I'm sorry. I have issues with Stephen King. Yeah. All right. Through this same, man. Same. I mean, maybe different issues. <laughs> oh, well. Here's okay. here's the thing. To me, this book is supposed to be this could happen in real life. How terrifying. Right? Mm. That's what it feels mm. like. That's the kind of scary we're going for. Why is this motherfucker levitating off the ground? So I'm so <laughs> upset. Like, can you just leave it out? Can you just stop? Can't he just be devilish? Why is he got to have superpowers? Yeah, I kind of agree. I, I knew, so I knew going in to reading this, I, I only know the premise of the movie and that's kind of what I based it off of, mm-hmm. um, is that Randall Flagg was like the devil in a way. And um, Mother Abigail, who we'll also talk about, is kind of like the conduit of God, I guess. Um, so I wasn't surprised he could do magic. I am. But so far, I don't think Mother Abigail can. So Here's the thing. Up close magic with the little key. All right. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's gross. You do you. Like, <laughs> I don't want any part of it. But this, like, can we not have him fly? I, I'm sorry. It just seems. I don't think like he was flying. I'm, I think it's just showing he that he has a power. He levitating off yeah. the ground that's not flying that's just levitating i did he was think it was air. interesting i did think it was interesting that like i was under the impression that both he and mother abigail just kind of like appeared mm. and he was like a person and then suddenly could do magic mm. and here's what i didn't understand like yeah i didn't understand <laughs> that that dark man levitating off the ground and randall flag were the same person <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I and did I don't not know. understand that whatsoever. And I don't know if I fully ruined it for you or if you just weren't catching on to the hints. I think I'm an idiot. I literally, oh. like, not... I mean, it, it is what right, it you're is. You're an idiot who poops themselves. I did not even... <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> I didn't even think about it. I was like, what? Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, the magic tricks and the... Okay, all right. Like... Mm-hmm. It makes sense. I just yeah. yeah. I I'm just dumb. Yeah. I mean, we'll see what happens with him later. Mm-hmm. I know that we're gonna get a lot of Randall Flag. So 
Could be, yeah. could be good, could be bad. I just hope he's like a truly like evil him. character. I hope that he doesn't. No, that's what I don't. Like. I hope that he, like King, doesn't write it like there's some sort of redemption arc. I don't think there will be. No, I want him to be 100. Yeah, evil. yeah. Mm-hmm. I get that. I just I don't like him because I don't like bad people. But mm-hmm. I think he's well written so far. Um. I do like that every time he's changed his name, it's always RF. Mm. So, like, at one point, I think he introduces himself to someone, and it's his name isn't Randall Flagg. It's something else. And I went, that's Randall Flagg, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yes. He's like, my so name is Fandle guys <laughs> are much smarter than I am. Oh, my God. Um, I do like how he's introduced in the book, and it says that Stephen King writes, there was a dark hilarity in his face and perhaps in his heart too. You would think, and you would be right. It was the face of a hatefully happy man, a face that radiated a horrible, handsome warmth, a face to make water glasses shatter in the hands of tired truck stop waitresses, to make small children crash their trikes into board fences and then run wailing to their mommies with steak-shaped splinters sticking out of their knees. It was a face guaranteed to make barroom arguments over batting averages turn bloody. So, just inspires havoc and mm-hmm. chaos and death um mm-hmm. and, and even pots. the serial killer awesome. is terrified of him right. and then after randall flag like kenna said we have mother abigail mm-hmm. and we don't really get a lot of her in book one it's book one. i believe is it nick is having a dream when he's got blood poisoning and He's like in his feverish state and he sees Mm -hmm. this elderly woman who has said that she's been there for a long time in the middle of a cornfield in Nebraska. And you kind of get the first hints that like, all right, this is going to be like, here's your good and evil, like heavyweight match. Mm -hmm. Everybody else is kind of like, where are they going to go? Whose side are they going to get drawn to? But these are like the two, two Titans, so to speak. What do you guys think Mm -hmm. of the little bit we got of mother Abigail? I, I, okay, as a character, I love Mother Abigail. I'm not crazy about um, how King writes her. So I pointed this out to someone I was talking to today, where um, even in the same sentence, he does it once in the same sentence, I'm not sure where, but he refers to, um, he refers to Mother Abigail as black because she is a person of color. And he refers to Randall Flagg as black just because he's evil. And he uses it, says it in the same sentence where I'm like, who read this? Like your editor didn't read this and go, hmm, he uses the term black for both skin color and evil in the same sentence. Maybe we should change that. Like, yeah, there's a little, on, a little bit of that. <laughs> and I also, I didn't even think of this and I'm going to, I'm going to go dark, but I mentioned to someone like, I, I was like, oh yeah, the evil guys ran a flag. And then the good lady is, um, mother abigail and she's like mother abigail that's her name and i was like yeah and she was like like a mammy and i was like oh no you're right oh no she's <laughs> that's kind of what she is that's true i uh, yeah. yeah she's like in charge she's in charge of all of these white people coming her way she has to guide them around and her, she's referred to as mother abigail and i was like that's probably not what he was going for but it's kind of how it ended up being damn i didn't even think of that jeez yeah um, yeah. I mean, I'm super excited to see like who of our characters is going to end up going with Randall Flagg and who's going to go with Mother Abigail. Um, yeah. I feel like at this point, you kind of like I can definitely tell that Harold is going to go to Randall Flagg, given the chance. Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. 
screw gonna, that kid Ugh. he's gonna be like i can offer you power and sex and you can have fran if if we win yeah and he'll be like yeah totally. he's like, but i can have franny um Stu will definitely go mother abigail um larry is a toss-up i think still i yeah i could see him like there being a scene where he struggles between the two where mm-hmm. it's like he because he's already had an internal struggle of good and evil so yeah. i could see it being him being that one character that you don't quite know until he actually makes the choice yeah uh franny i definitely see going um mother abigail Mm-hmm. But I guess I could be surprised. Uh, but she seems like has to, like has a sense of right and wrong. Um, right. Lloyd obviously is with Randall Flag. Right. He's the first one. Right hand man. And Nick. Nick is definitely going. Um, Mother yeah. Abigail. Like he had the dream. Like you can definitely tell that he he wants mm-hmm. to go to Mother Abigail. Yeah. I mean, I think his is like the most vivid dream of Mother Abigail. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then most of them have all had pretty vivid dreams of Randall Flagg or the eyes of Randall Flagg. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like I said, I, I just really, I think that um, I really want Randall to be evil, but I like looking at it as that they're good and evil, Randall and Abigail, and then everybody else mm-hmm. is like who we're supposed to be. Like, even That's through right. this thing, like, what are you going to choose with society coming back up or mm-hmm. like weak people? people who have fear like they even though Stu might be stronger than larry they all have fear at some point in their story so how is that fear going to direct them and who is that going to lead them to so i'm excited to to see that Mm -hmm. um i feel like you could really use a lot of the stuff from this to talk about what's happening kind of in the world now mm -hmm. with the pandemic it's very true yeah um harold would definitely be an anti-vaxxer and no masker. Oh, 100%. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wonder how different this book would be if they had masks. Ooh. Uh, we no. could do like a reimagining. The stand with masks. Reimagining. Oh, my God. It's like 300 pages. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, there's really no way to rate this book one. Um, unless you guys want to try to do like the rating we usually do. Um, it's incomplete. We could say yeah, it's not complete based on book one. How do you feel about the rest of the book? I'm excited to see what happens. I love, I kind of wish it wasn't so long. Like, I feel like a lot of the stuff he took out didn't need to be in there. Um, But I love the the whole concept of like plague and good and evil. And because there's like a, a level of this could happen, but also because of like the good and the evil and the dreams, there's also a level of mysticism Mm -hmm. that gives it like, I like that. Agreed. Yeah. Paige, you excited? I don't know if excited <laughs> is the right word necessarily. Um, I think that I hate that it's so long. It is 44 yeah. hours of audiobook, which is cray cray. Um, but I also kind of like that I feel very immersed in the world because I mm. do have all the backstory. I really know where everyone is coming from. And so... Yeah. I'm I'm glad for it in the same breath. Yeah. I think it's yeah. very similar to like how Salem's Lot took forever to get going. But mm-hmm. because of the Well, this has already been going. Yeah. Yeah. Like almost nearly the entire population is dead. Yeah, that what is crazy. Now what? No. Like what are we <laughs> huh. 
I will say it took till the end of book one for any of our our uh, protagonists to group together to meet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I was like, finally, like Stu yeah. was meeting Harold and uh, Fran. I almost forgot her name. <laughs> yeah, keep wanting to call her Fanny. Yeah. <laughs> Franny. Yeah. Um, Francis. Francis. That's my aunt's name. That's my oh. aunt's name. Really? Oh yeah, Auntie oh, Fran. I don't have an aunt. You don't what? have it. A- I am oh. an aunt. Oh. Oh, that makes sense. Paige, don't look at her like she's crazy. Her mom just might have a sister. Her dad might have a sister. <laughs> happens. I, I don't have an aunt. <laughs> it sounds so sad. It's like it's like a like a pitch for a Hallmark movie. Oh, <laughs> I don't have I an have aunt. A woman with the without an aunt. <laughs> I wish I had an aunt. Santa, can you bring me an aunt? Your mom's just sitting there like, what am I? <laughs> I don't have an aunt no, though, mom. I... You wouldn't understand. <laughs> I have one uncle, and I don't think I don't think I've seen him since I was nine. So that's like me and my uncle. Yeah. Hmm. No. Um, there was something else I was going to say about this book before we ended. Um, can't think of it. Anything else you guys want to add about book one? Any characters? Anything? What was your favorite part? What was your least um, favorite part? Oh man. Ooh. Yeah. Oh god, I cannot. I feel like. The, um, there were a bunch of parts that just got on my nerves, but I don't know if they happened at the end of book one or if it's technically the beginning of book two. But I, he was getting on my nerves with so many things where there were so many, like he kept pointing out things where I'm like, all right, Stephen, I hope that's relevant later. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. I, I hope you decided to add that weird thing about that woman's body because it's going to be relevant later. Like, there's a lot of no. that. Or at one Rita point, Seggy he, breasts will not be relevant was, later. No, he refers to he refers to a situation because he talks about how there was a second wave of like oh yeah, did that happen? Dying that is in book right. one. Okay, okay. So he talks about the second wave of people dying and how it reached from like the states to Senegal or something. But he keeps he keeps calling it an epidemic, and I'm like I don't. I think if it's going from the U.S. to Senegal, it's a pandemic, Stephen. Right? Yeah. 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 Okay. You're right. And I was like, no one caught that. No, his editor didn't go. Hey, Google this word. The editor was probably like, "What is this word?" Right word. (laughs) (laughs) You know what was so sad? I forgot about that part of the book for a minute. That poor little boy in the blackberry field. Oh, falling down the well. Fell into a well broke both of his legs and yes. then died of starvation yeah, the well. so pain. okay so king so king adds <sighs> a chapter for our listeners he adds a chapter where he talks about people who died um kind of because of the flu but not by the flu so they die so there's a young boy who is abandoned pretty much his his family he's dies an orphan and yeah he goes eating he's an what orphan. is he five he goes, yeah he's in blackberry um Something like that. Yeah, that was really sad. Five and a half. He falls down a little well, and he breaks his legs. Yeah. And then he starves to death. I thought, I thought that chapter was, like, really good. Um, yeah, I agree. I, it almost reminded me of, like, yeah, it really it's <laughs> that each person that died was, like, a short story idea that he had, and was like, nah, just put it in here. Mm. <laughs> Even for later. <laughs> he killed them all yeah. off. <laughs> yeah, like, the, there's a woman who's afraid she's going to be, like, yeah, raped by, by the hippies. Man, and so she has yeah. a gun. And she like tries to shoot him and it blows up on her and she dies. And I remember like I was listening to that part and I was like, what? Yeah. I was like, that'd oh be a God, good like 30 pages. To- I um I also like there's yeah. a lot in that 
part one about guns potentially exploding, and I didn't realize that was such a big thing. Yeah, I think guns are temperamental. Yeah, you know, or they can be. I guess I don't. Know. I don't know about guns. I'm anti-gun. I don't know. But in that same chapter is another situation where he, um, like that chapter where we were just talking about, um, he introduces someone who he points out their their race specifically and he says that they're a black person and of course that person's little story about how they died um because of the flu but not by the flu is that they like get addicted to drugs and are looking for drugs and they die from a drug overdose yeah yeah they were already addicted and yeah um, i think to heroin right Something like that, yeah. Um, and he didn't have his dealer because his dealer was dead. So then right. he's going to try to find it. And he heard about like, oh, this guy got a big load in, whatever. So he went to mm-hmm. his house. He found his stash, except like it wasn't cut as much as it usually is yeah. when he bought it off the street. And so because it was just like, it was like 90, pure. Yeah. there you go, yeah. pure heroin, it just immediately killed yeah. him. And Which is I crazy, but it's also unnecessary. Is that the one where he said no big black. deal at the end of it? Yeah. Oh. And I was like, oh, that was he said that a couple so times, and I was yeah. like, did he say that because it was a drug addict or because he was black? Like I said, anything with Nick is great. I love it. Mm-hmm. I'm anxious to see how he continues mm-hmm. in his journey. Uh, very nervous to see how Larry is going to fall. Um, I feel like they're setting him up to really have a uh, a turn and that he's going to start being a good man uh, just because they've harped on it so much. Uh, yeah. So I'm looking forward to all these characters and I definitely am excited for, for book two. So, well then we'll pick up with book two next no. month. And again, uh, if you guys would like to give us a review, any of you listeners, you can go to anchorfm.com which is the link in our bio on Instagram. And you can leave a voice message that can be featured on an episode if you want, or you can leave a review. You can also leave reviews on Apple Music and Spotify now, which is pretty cool. It's usually just under the profile. Um, And again, thank you everybody on social media for commenting, liking pictures, listening to our episodes. We really appreciate it and uh, hope you enjoy this one.